our emotions have ADHD too. It's something we're like, our emotions are separate. No, they, everything about our ADHD affects our emotions too. So it's, you know, like for a lot of other people, they're like, oh yeah, it was this and then this. So when I exploded, it wasn't really because I was mad at you. It was because of all these other things that for us, sometimes it's just that thing is what set us off. ADHD Rewired episode 294. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We have another mastermind session today. We have Emily in the hot seat and we are joined by Roxy, Aggie, and Will. Say hello, Roxy. Hello. And Aggie. Hello. And Will. Hello there. Hello. And Emily. Hi. So Emily has a really interesting hot seat today, one that I think that a lot of listeners will probably relate to, and it's all about Emotion regulation. So Emily, why don't you just dive in and share with us what we can help you with and uh, please include the story that you shared on your mastermind worksheet. Well, I'm trying to um, have less negative confrontations with people that I encounter once I perceive self that somebody has disrespected me purposely and deliberately. So, for example, a few weeks ago, I was at the going to Walmart. They have that huge pedestrian zone. I'm walking across. I see this guy driving and he doesn't stop and nearly hits me. So, like, there's level one anger. So then I immediately turn on my heels and I see that he has to stop to get into the parking spot. So I go over to his window and knock really hard and he ignores me. So now we go to level two anger. And then at that point, I'm like, oh, it's going down now. So now I have to get in front of his car with the look like, I'm not going anywhere. What you gonna do now? And then he brings down the window at which I tell him, look, you nearly ran me over in the crosswalk. And he goes, I saw you. So at that point, then comes, you know, the exorcist, you know, because I literally feel like I'm having an out of body experience and an evil spirit has invaded me or an alter ego has come out either way. Like this is the part where like, I'm not, I'm just completely reacting. So I'm, I'm talking to him like, what, you know, like you did that on purpose, like, Oh, you know, and I know that I'm getting to a point where I used to indulge myself as a teenager. So then at that point I walk away, but I still got one eye outside looking at the door, you know? So when he came in, I literally followed him a couple of aisles because he was on the phone. And if he would have gotten off the phone, I probably would have started harassing him in the store. But, um, cause you know, he had this really snide, I don't give a shit kind of look on his face, you know? And that made me super mad. But then I was like, okay, let me just get out of here because I'm losing my mind. So I go to my car and I see his car. And the first thing I think to myself is I should key his car, but I would never do something like that. You know what I mean? But these are the thoughts that go through my head, right? So then I go to my car. Oh, he had a license plate. This is probably didn't put in. He had a license plate that said double A T W A. So then I go to my car and I have a piece of paper with a red marker and I write, dear Mr. Triple A twat. I know your license plate so I can easily find where you live. 
Karma is a bitch and you fucked with the wrong one this time. And I went over to his car and put it on his window and drove away. Right. So then like 10 minutes after this thing, I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you react like that? You know, that's crazy. Like you could get yourself into some serious trouble. But then what happens is, is that when I have an extreme change of emotional abrupt change, I get sleepy and then I have to go home, take a nap. And when I wake up, it's like, it's like, then I become like a normal person and I, I can introspect and I start doing like, why was that? And where does that come from? And this and that and the other thing. And then what makes the whole feeling disappear is when my mother tells me a tale of another relative who's done much worse, like my aunt, who the same thing happened to her. And then she went into the store and bought a knife and um, and uh, uh, knife to tires. At, at what age was she? In her 70s. OK, so um, I, I don't want to just say that. Wow, that was one of those entertaining setups for a mastermind that I've ever heard, because um, I know this isn't. You know, it's, this is hard. It's hard for you. And it's like your brain just gets hijacked and it's like, you know, occasionally it's, it's very rare, but occasionally when I get into that like scary anger mode, it's this feeling of like righteous indignation where it's like, yes. not only am I pissed, I have absolutely every right to feel pissed. And it's like, it almost feels good. Like it's like, almost it's like this drug that you can't like put down even though you're like what the hell is happening right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes okay mm-hmm. so um one of the things that you said in uh in your mastermind worksheet that stood out to me was you were willing to change your perceptions of situations comma up to a point could you and i circled the up to a point with a big question mark next to it couldn't you uh elaborate please okay so i've talked about this with my therapist right and he always says to me at the end of this you know if you would have, have you know reacted differently you know would you still have confronted that person and i'm like absolutely so but when you, when you say if you would have reacted differently, if you would have thought of it differently? If I would have um, acted in a different manner. Okay. You know, so if I had a chance to do a do-over, mm. would I have confronted that person in the first place? Okay. And so that's why I say up to a point. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not willing to not confront somebody when they do something like this. I think I have to find a more positive way to do it in. Okay. What happens, do you think, to to the brain when you engage in conflict like this? Oh, it's a high, I can tell. All right. So it sounds like it's almost a bit of self-medicating, in a sense, through conflict. Possibly. But I, I, as a caveat, I really do try not to begin these things. But the minute, but like I said, like I have this very defined boundary where once that boundary is crossed, it like flips a switch, you know, and it feels just like that, like, bang, oh, <laughs> and then this right. other mode comes on. Okay. Aggie? Okay. My question is, we're actually exactly regarding what you were just talking about. Specifically, does it go to the same degree in reaction once you are confirmed that it was on purpose? Like, say that something happens and there's no way of knowing really if that person did something on purpose and and it goes on, like whether it's in the community, like you were saying, or does it take it to that next level that you're locked in once the person is confirmed like, oh yeah, I did that on purpose. Um, okay. So I've had reactions where I've like, I thought somebody had done something and I confronted them and they were like, Whoa, it wasn't like that at all. Then it's completely in, you know, dissipated. And then I go into apology mode. Like, I am so sorry. This is the way I saw it. And thank you. But the minute, like, you know, like the minute the rudeness comes in, you know, then, um, yeah, then it then we're going into another mode. But I change modes according to 
the person. So I'm never one to like swear and scream and things like that. I'm more sarcastic. Um, you like read off their energy and kind of go there. So if they start swearing and getting upset, then you're more likely to. I'll be the calmest. I'll be the calmest dog on the block, but being real sinister about it. Well, uh, so yeah. So we were just talking about, you know, like that whole idea with, you know, like once you feel like someone has wronged you on purpose, it's, um, and that's, that's what you do. You don't want to not confront someone about that. And why, what, what would be the, what would be your, the problem with just being like, well, they wronged me. I'm never going to see them again. And they can go, you know. Yeah. I, I, it's this, I, I know where that comes from. Right. And it comes from when I was a little kid, I used to get punked off all the time when I was in school, when I was in the neighborhood, for whatever reason, you know, I, I was definitely the oddball, you know, and kids pick that up right away. So when I when we when I moved, you know, at 10 years old, we moved, I decided I wasn't going to be the punk anymore. So I turned that around and became like a little bully, even though I didn't bully people who were weaker than me. I don't like that. So but. You know what it is? It's this indignation that I believe that people act like that because too many people tolerate that shit. And then what comes into my head is I'm not the one. Like you may pull this on a bunch of other people, which is why you can think you can act like that. But I'm not the one. And the thought of me never seeing them again does not occur because this also happens with people that I do know. Has there been any negative fallout from that? Um, well, I mean, it could be seen as negative in most people's points, a few, but for me, it's not because um, like people just need to get over stuff, you know, and if you're bothered by something that I did, we can talk about it. But some people just really can hold a grudge and that's really their problem, not mine. Because like I said, once I go to sleep and wake up, I'm over it. You moved on. Yeah, it's, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> but I know people hold grudges about that. They're still like all angry. And I'm like, that's on you. So here, here's a question that I have for you, Emily. It sounds like in, in some ways, this is a, a, an issue of, of control in that like, Hey, you don't get to disrespect me. I'm going to like, I'm going to control the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we kind of pull out and sort of observe it, you are being controlled by the whatever the the, the uh, catalyst was that's causing that reaction. Absolutely, and that's when I think about in a moment of calm as I'm driving away ten minutes later. But by that time, it's too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I literally got into a confrontation while I was listening to Deepak Chopra. <laughs> I actually don't know if there's any help for you, then Emily. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I'm in the middle of peace, love, and this and that, and all of a sudden I'm like, "What?" You know. <laughs> well, okay. So then uh, another th- thing: Does this only happen for like your like anger response? Only happen for like big things, like oh that guy almost ran me over, or like little like that person was inconsiderate to me, like they, you know, didn't hold the door when they saw me, or you know that kind of stuff. No, no, it's, it's, it, to me, it's always like a major thing. Like, you know, um, uh, some of it is like, you know, little road rage things, you know, but, you know, um, but most, but if it's something small or minor, I can usually get past that or talk about it because I'm not one to repress my emotions. When you say repress, what do you mean? Like if you're, if, if you do something that bothers me, I'm going to let you know, because that way, when you do it again, you can't say you didn't know. And then the third time when I cuss you out, now you really can't say you didn't know. Is there a way to communicate with someone how their behavior affected you in a way that is assertive, but not hostile or aggressive? I can do that with my friends. Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with the idea of being generous with someone's, uh, with, with assumptions? So the guy that cuts you off and, you know, I, what if he, the thing that you didn't know was that 
his, uh, he just found out that his wife was cheating up with a neighbor and the, um, uh, and his, uh, his, his son just decided to, uh, stole a bunch of money from him and like, just like was having just a shitty, shitty, shitty day. Right. I can do that 99% of the time. Okay. And what happens to the other 1%? The other 1%, it wouldn't be like a road rage. Like somebody cut me off. It would be like, Somebody cut me off and then you flip me off. Okay. Or you do something after the fact, you know, so that's, you know, something like that, like, um, could, could set me off. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it, it always has to be like a, t- there's, there's several levels and it's a tantamount kind of thing to the point where I'm like, Oh no, this is your character. This is not an isolated incident. This is your character. All That's right. the way I go. All right. So, uh, Emily, I, I know that you're someone that appreciates someone just telling it like it is. Yeah. So if someone said to you, it's your character when you show up late, it's your character when you're forgetful, how would you feel about that? I would feel terrible about it. But because I gravitate towards negativity, I would probably go, <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Circling back to my question for clarification from earlier about changing your perception of situations up to a point. I feel like I didn't get an answer for that. Okay. The point would be, because because I've been, you know, most people's suggestions is that I walk away. That's the point I'm not quite willing to do. What, what do you lose if you walk away? I'll feel like I lose my integrity. Okay. And what else? And that you got over on me. Okay. And what else? Um, that I'm a punk, which goes back to when I was a kid. Okay. Are you a person of high integrity? I'd like to think so, but at those moments, they, it contradicts okay. my thoughts about myself. Okay. And... The, I mean, the idea of you got one over on me, it almost seems like if you have that uncontrollable reaction, they then did get one over on you. Yeah, but I don't think about that till like 10 minutes right. later. That's right. the problem. I'm trying to create a gap. Yeah. And I don't know how to create that gap when the time between the act and my reaction seems so minute. Yeah, it's like a switch, like just gets flipped. Mm-hmm. All right. Because all that stuff I think about after the fact. Okay. If I thought about it before the fact, I would do it a lot less. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's called impulsivity. Yes. That's one of the core features of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Aggie? I was going to say, um, when I try to think about these things, I'm hearing um, the part about being heard first and then the need to make sure you hold up your integrity and also, you know, be your authentic self. Um, and then I'm what, when I thought about how would you confirm that you were being heard? And that's where I kind of got stuck in terms of, um, to your friends, you can have a conversation and you feel heard. And so that helps diminish those reactive feelings and gives you time to pause because you trust those people. But when you're not met with any compassion and almost the opposite of it, then kind of what, what do we do then? Like when is what looks like then? And I'm like, I, when I was trying to brainstorm myself, I'm like, I don't know how to confirm. Oh, no, no. Heard, I'm not looking for the know? confirmation of being heard. It's not about being heard. Mm-hmm. Telling you. Yeah. So I'm not, well, whether you hear me well, or not. What's the difference? Have, oh, because whether you hear me or not, I have no control over that. Right. But it's about me letting you know. But don't I have to hear you? Not cool. So what I'm hearing is that it's about just you being able to emotionally discharge. Yes, I would. I would agree with you there. Roxy. My um, question is when you're switch gets flipped where do you experience that physically physically in my temples 
So you immediately like that's something that you register right yeah. in the moment. You see, so you in feel it temples, right here and I you know you're going there. Exploding out in my temples and I feel it in my chest, mm-hmm. in my upper stomach okay. and my upper arms. Oh, so you get a lot of cues that it's happening. Yeah. It just the cues come really fast. It's like yeah. it's not, it doesn't creep. It's bah, like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever practiced a, an alternative response? A what? An alternative response. Like what? So thinking about like, so it, seem, it sounds like the, the primary triggers is when you're feeling disrespected. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So thinking about, and even because uh, when you were retelling it, it almost seemed like that there's so like almost a reliving of some of that feeling as you're retelling it. So even just the retelling it can generate some of those feelings. And that, I don't feel bad as, as bad as I do when I retell it. So, but if you can, while retelling a, a situation, if it creates some of those, those uh, physical feelings, that's your, that's your point to practice. So you can actually generate like on purpose, on purpose, this feeling, and then come up with a healthier way to respond. You know, so whether it's taking 10 deep breaths or having a mantra or something like having a, that, a strong why, and you practice it in these practice scenarios and doing so over time, when you start to feel in a real situation, you've now begun to rewire that the, the association between disrespect and full on Emily rage. Okay. So are you encouraging me to tell people about these incidences? Cause I don't for the most part, <laughs> like, I would encourage you to work with the, a, either your therapist or a therapist with, I you know on this, um, mm-hmm. and do some of this sort of reenactment and role playing, um, where you can get that heightened feeling and even potentially do some stuff where you're actually having someone disrespect you sort of on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to practice an alternative response. I can get down with that. Because, you know, Emily, the, you, know, you, you said that you feel out of integrity um, when you don't respond in, in such a way. But how would you feel, you know, you, you, you have commitments to lots of people in your life. Commitments to mm-hmm. be at certain places. What if you couldn't be at those places because you were in jail? Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I think about that, too. And that's real because, like, you know. There's people in my family who are in jail over this kind of stuff. Like that's real. Like, right. Right. That's not even like an imagined thing. It's right. You know, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to avoid even worse. Like you don't know if you're going to come across somebody who's just going to stab you or you know shoot you or run right. you over when you're in front of someone's car. Well, Emily, the the I think the main point I'm trying to to help sort of highlight is that when you feel disrespected and you feel like you got to let this person know, right? You have to weigh this between like, what does that look like versus what, are, what does it look like when this goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. And so thinking about it in less of a black and white kind of issue and, and more of like, okay, what's this? Like, is there any way I can say something without this turning into a huge rage fest that I then feel like really shitty about afterwards? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Cause, Cause the consequences are, can be really significant, Emily. Like that dude, I could have waited till he went into the store and then tapped him on the shoulder and said, I really didn't appreciate the way you almost ran me over in the crosswalk. Can I, can I tell you how I might approach it? Okay. I might go, I might look up to, I go up to him and say, excuse me, are you doing okay today? <gasps> and then they might say, yeah, why? It's like, I'm not sure. If, did you see that you actually nearly hit me in the crosswalk? And I can't believe that you would have done that on purpose. So I just wanted to check to see if you're doing okay today. That's a genius approach. I can get down with that. You I, know what I mean? I remember when I was in college, um, I was a, a, a part of a Hillel, uh, a Jewish student organization. And there was another organization on campus. Um, uh, not blanking on the, the name is, is the Islamic student organization. And they were having, they were holding a, a protest on stuff that was happening in Israel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was be kind of contentious. And so one of, uh, one of the, these students from the Islamic student society was, uh, was, um, you know, intentionally trying to get people riled up and then he he looked at me right right square in the eyes and said 
you know, all these lies that are happening, like, you know, even things like the Holocaust, we know that didn't actually happen. And that's when I took a real deep breath, Emily. And I looked at him and I gave him a hug. Wow. And I said to him, I know that you're hurting and what is going on, you know, with the issues that you're bringing up. Like, there's a lot that needs to be talked about, right? But I know that you don't believe that. And my response to that ended up in uh, organizing a, uh, a, a summit between uh, the Islamic Student Society and the, the Jewish organization. I brought an APAC and we had a whole uh, uh, event at, at the school, right? Because it's like, you know, it would have made sense to clock him one. Right. right. But that would have just further fueled the, the, the flames. Exactly. Right. Which is why I fundamentally believe that that's so much of a better approach, you know, but it takes a lot of um, character to get to that point. I also think so I see your personality you have a bit of sort of like absurdness to your personality and I hope that you take that as a compliment right <laughs> and how absurd is it to go with like over the top caring and love when someone pisses you off Oh, because mm-hmm. people don't know what to make of that exactly. and then you fully have their attention in the wrong way but you but it, it's not going to escalate into a way that's going to get you arrested Yeah, that's true. And the thing is, too, is that in order to get to that point, you have to be vulnerable, which is the last thing that comes to me at that moment. I become more defensive and I know it's a defensive, a defense mechanism. You know, I'm going to attack you because you attacked me, which is what I hate about, you know, that's how conflict blows up into things that I just can't stand. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. I know Will and Aggie both have our questions that they want to ask you or suggestions, but we will be right back. Before this group, I was in complete denial about having ADHD and didn't realize that it affected every aspect of my life. And I thought that I was a complete failure. And now I realize that I am not a complete failure and I have a tribe who will support and love me for who I am. You are not a failure, but many of us wake up every day and drag ourselves through the same habits that make us feel that way. You are not alone on your path. Many of us struggle and feel this way every day. Imagine yourself riding a bicycle down a well-ridden dirt path. This path has deep, deep grooves in it, almost hugging your tires, keeping you on that trail as you ride. Now really see yourself riding that bike and really notice how it feels as you ride effortlessly. The dirt beneath you and your wheels gripping as it takes you down that familiar, well-worn stretch of path. Like a dirt path, habits dig their way deep into the grooves of our everyday life. We follow the same familiar path even when the path isn't leading us to where we want to go. And we feel frustrated because we see the path we are on and we realize you're stuck in a rut. You don't have to feel this way. You don't have to stay stuck. Join us for ADHD Rewired's 19th season of coaching and accountability groups. Growth happens when we step outside of our comfort zone and explore new paths. Discover a new path this winter. Join us for our next coaching group that starts January 10th. It's just opened my eyes to, I feel like there's been layers lifted off my understanding of what it's been like to live with this and what I need to put in place to navigate it much more purposefully. And for me, one of the great importances of that is it's allowed me to find a very, very deep vein of self-compassion that I don't think I had before. Self-compassion really is the way forward. Take the path of self-compassion. Our winter sessions start January 10th. Go to coachingrewired.com and click on the big purple button. Our registration kickoff event will be Thursday, November 21st at 11 a.m. Central. Winter sessions start January 10th and go through March 20th. Registration is by invitation only, and you have to attend one of our registration events to join. Coaching groups will fill up fast, so sign up today and join other people just like you. 
a lot of other people have those struggles too and I'm not alone and they don't mean that I'm broken and knowing that I'm able to see it more as a I need to find a new path instead of there is a part of me I need to fix. Go down a different path and get your name on the list to get your invitation by going to coachingrewired.com and click the big purple button. And just tell me your email and your invitation will be on its way. If you've already signed up, you should have already received a save the date. And if you sign up before invitations get sent, you'll get a save the date as well. Invitations will be sent out a little bit closer to the event. It may even be sometime this week. But add this to your calendars now. Registration is Thursday, November 21st at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Groups start January 10th. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and to get on our registration invitation list. That's coachingrewired.com. If you're thinking about joining this group, only do it if you're serious. Um, only do if you're really ready to change your life and jump in head first, be vulnerable, be real, and know that you're not going to be judged for any of those things. But I would also say this as a way to apply all of those things that you've been researching for years that you think you should just be able to apply to your life and you're just not quite sure how. If you're thinking about joining the group, do it. That's coachingrewired.com. All right, we are back. Uh, Will, what, what do you got for us? Uh, so I loved Eric's stuff about coming in with uh, empathy and like being that. And uh, on a more selfish note from that perspective too, what I often do when I have like these things is I just tell myself, I'm not going to let them ruin my day. Because like you've, it's exhausting to be frustrated. And then you also spend the rest of the week like, well, I should have done this or I should have done this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, if I did yeah. this, that would have really gotten. <laughs> um, and it, you know, just coming in with actual empathy would be a great way to be like, yeah, I'm not going to let you ruin my day. I'm going to come at you with love. Which I believe in too. Mm-hmm. But I also think that I'm oversensitive yeah i mean uh one of the notes i wrote down on uh what i was reading your mastermind was that a reminder that our emotions have adhd too it's something we're like our emotions are separate no they everything about our adhd affects our emotions too so it's you know like for a lot of other people they're like oh yeah it was this and then this so when i exploded it wasn't really because i was mad at you it was because of all these other things that for us sometimes it's just that thing is what set us off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when, when I get, when I get to that boiling point, I, I sort of view myself as not safe for human consumption. Yes. Right. And so w- when I get to that point, I do everything I can to avoid all human contact. Cause anything that comes out of my mouth when I'm in that mode of like that righteous indignation, right? Like it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to regret it. Absolutely. Right. And so I, I make a beeline to the emptiest room possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even if that's the thing that you're like, you're raging, go back to your car. Right. I've learned that skill when it comes to my relationships, you know, that I know, cause you know, I'm very sarcastic and I, you know, you can't un- unsay things. So on that, I'm very careful Um, with people that I'm not friends with or just acquaintances with who I just think it's a filtering system. I don't feel the need. Aggie? Okay, well, Eric, you must have read my mind because I was where we both just love Brene Brown. Um, I was rereading Braving the Wilderness or the Men and Women's um, Vulnerability episode that she has on audible and she tells a story about how she is picking up her son at the carpool and that this lady is like oh so where have you been and just picking at her picking at her and she has to just roll up the window and like drive away and it feels so uncomfortable and it just reminded me so much of your story like we need to put you in a wind a car and roll up the window and just like not let ourselves out. I feel the same way about myself, except I go to crying like, and no one hears me when I'm crying and upset. And so I 
totally feel you because I go into that. And then my way of releasing is I cry and get tired and it sounds like you're able to sleep it off. But I think it's both serving the same purpose of like, you know, getting it out and kind of wanting to scream. Um, do you, are there other times that you get like emotionally, I was just curious. This is just, do you get emotionally like upset afterwards and cry after, or is it just kind of like you say hi, like man, I'm, I'm with just my, with my anger. I, I, um, I, uh, uh, I don't cry. Um, because in my neighborhood you cried, then you're going to get 10 times more. Right. But, um, when it comes to rejection, like, you know, swollen face, like mess completely, mm-hmm. like a mess, hyperventilating, throwing up. So you've got those those hold down muscles strong, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. The difference, too, is that the anger is like a flash. But like when I'm depressed and rejected, it's like this slow aching burn that just lasts a long time and just, you know, like that. So they're opposites of each other, but I think they come from the same place. Your brain's getting emotionally hijacked. Let's talk about your brain. Mm-hmm. Are you taking any medication? Yes. Would you mind sharing what you're on? I take um, Adderall. I take uh, 40 milligrams a day. No, is it 40? Yeah, no, it's yeah, 40. Short acting or immediate release? Immediate. Is there any potential correlation between when these situations happen and you coming off your medication? Um, not really, because the Walmart incident, I was on my medication. Um, other things start to fall apart, which is why I'm on medication, but not really. I don't know, though, if there's maybe a decrease or an increase that I cannot say because I haven't really observed it in that way. Because irritability is a common side effect, especially of short acting stimulant medications, you know, and possibly it's not the right fit for you. Possibly, but when I was on the extended release, Mm -hmm. stuff was happening then too. Extended release of Adderall. Right. There's so many different medications for for ADHD. Um, I've gone through like a whole bunch of them. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. It took took almost three years to get to the point where I'm at now. Okay. And um, Senior Adderall, is there anything else you're taking? No, not, no, that's, that's enough. Does your prescribing doctor, um, know, uh, that you turn into the Hulk? Yes. And what, what is, uh, what's your doc say? Well, he's, he's, you know, he has me like, if I were to do the situation over again, we have these conversations about the dangerous things and I go, yeah, you know, and then we all laugh when I follow up with a worse story from my family. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think about stuff like this and I think about like, yeah, it's understandable why we do this because of our family or because of our upbringing, you know, but I think in a lot of like, yes, it's it gives context. But I also think in some ways that's kind of playing into a little bit of a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. It normalizes the situation, but it's no reason why I should be doing it. Because my immediate family is not like that. My extended family is like that. Do you ever like find out if you were actually adopted? That's the talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't look like anybody. They're all like mixed up at the hospital. Um, okay. Are you opening to exploring other medication options? <sighs> I'm resistant. I, I, I know. Mm-hmm. It took so long to get to this spot where I'm at the, I felt the best. Have you checked out ADHD Rewired's newest podcast, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb? Last Monday on episode five, Will talked about goals, strategies, and tactics and why understanding the differences is vital to hitting your goal. And he does all of that 
in a whopping 13 minutes and 34 seconds. He covers a topic that can help all of us get more done. And don't miss this week's podcast of Hacking Your ADHD as Will discusses the potential benefits of journaling. Do you journal? Do you know the benefits of journaling? Do you know that there are different types of journaling? And he's got some hacks that are going to help us keep up with our journaling habit. That is something that I struggle with. I know that journaling is so helpful when I do it. I've even tracked it correlating with my sleep. When I journal, I get better sleep, but I'm having a hard time maintaining that habit. So you'll definitely want to check out this episode. If you haven't checked it out yet, do yourself a favor. Go subscribe to Hacking Your ADHD. These are fun, snack-sized podcasts that cover different ways to hack your ADHD. That's Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb, available to everyone, everywhere you consume podcasts. You can join me and Brandon Mahan from ADHD Essentials and William Curb from Hacking Your ADHD every second Tuesday of the month. This November, the live Q&A is on November 12th. It's at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. To join us, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. We'll see you there. I want to thank all our patrons who support this podcast by giving a monthly financial contribution over ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. I am so grateful for all of your support. Patrons like Jennifer, Amy, and Casina42, who became patrons this week. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support. These contributions help offset the cost of the production of the show and a lot more. Thank you. If you love this show and you count on it each week, then I'm asking you to help out. Give an amount that makes sense to you. Check out the perks starting at $5 a month. And at $25 a month, you can join me and a small group of other patrons every fourth Tuesday of the month for a group coaching call on Zoom. That is a perk for people supporting starting at $25 a month or more. We do those calls every fourth Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Whatever your reason for giving and whatever amount you are able to give, thank you so much. It really does help and it really does mean a lot. Become a patron at ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. You know, it's what I, when you describe it to me, Aaron, I feel, and I feel how, how strongly you feel it. I am sure that when you're reflecting on it, it probably scares you a little bit that you get to that point. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, crying people forgive anger gets people in trouble. Right. Right. And you've worked so hard to get to where you've gotten. Absolutely. Right. And so I think that the, uh, the, you know, sort of, you ever seen that, uh, there's a, um, uh, I think it's from a presentation that Russell Barkley is, is, uh, given. Um, and I've shared the image of it. It's the, uh, the implications for not treating ADHD. And it has like all of these, uh, different sort of life domains. And it basically says your outcomes are going to be worse without treating ADHD. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also true when it's not, and it's sometimes we also need, um, uh, you know, they call it polypharmaceutical approaches. So, a couple of medications, right? I'm not a doctor, right? I just play one on a podcast, um, <laughs> right? But talk to your doctor more about this, you know, and because it, it's like, yes, you said it happens, well, like you said about eight times a year, I think you, that it gets. Yeah. It's, you know. a, it's a, every few months. And if it, I included like other people, like acquaintances, uh-huh. yeah, it would probably be around every other month. Hmm. Have you ever tried taking like a like an anger management class? You know, I've thought about that, but like I don't. I I, I it's almost like I don't feel I need it. Like until I started writing the paper, and then I'm like, man, like this the stumbling like, over your words just now, which is not something I've, I don't think I've ever seen you do. 
spoke volumes, Emily. <laughs> I know. Because if it was a man speaking like this, I would think, Neil, you better get you some anger management classes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... And, you know, have you ever also seen that, that idea that the anger is always a secondary emotion? Yes, absolutely. Do you think it's fear? That's- I think it's based in fear. Yeah. Absolutely, I accept that. So what... what if the issue is fear, how do you resolve that? How do you address that? Um, well, then I go into like a lot of meditation and then I try to realign myself because I also think about what about that in particular got me to that point. I always think it's some unresolved thing that I'm not correcting myself with that. I know I never put the blame on somebody else. I know it's me. Hmm. Um, Aggie, what do you got? Okay. So I've been going through, like some un, still undefined health stuff. But what I have gained is a ton of knowledge on all of the random things that I had no idea affected my ADHD, like progesterone levels. Like when you're taking, I listened to uh, Eric's old podcast with, uh, I was supposed to know the name. Um, I didn't know I was going to use it so that fast. Guy. That girl or guy, they were really great. And she talks about how progesterone blocks the medication so like certain medications like now there's tests actually where they can which i hope to get is where they see if you have this enzymes to break down your genetically but also like there's all these things going into it and so i could feel before going bringing this up to the doctor i said before my cycle i the medication doesn't work as well. I feel it. And I, before reading anything, and then when I find that these things are true, Oh man, it's such a relief because I've always said I'm really sensitive and all this, but it's 10 times worse when it's like that, or maybe all the time. And when I wasn't at least getting myself help for the, the physical part, you know, which I am now, then it just was not helping me to make those behavioral changes that I needed to make in my schedule or even taking medication regularly, all this stuff. So it really just opened my eyes. I know everyone's different and we all have different hormone levels, but um, how much that when our body goes through that, like if we have compassion, like a lot of these things is women take medication double up during their cycle, like Mm -hmm. on purpose and work with their doctors like that. And so I found some relief just knowing that because it gave me another kind of area to pick at um, when I was kind of feeling stuck. So I just wanted to share. That makes a lot of sense. I would go down that route way before I'd go down getting more medication, you know, because I always think it's the removal of things. And I do believe that, you know, hormones, you know, it could be a lot of hormonal things aggravating it, if not being the reason. So absolutely. I could look, you know, check that out. Yeah. That made me feel better too, about kind of managing my stuff too. Then can I ask you a uh, more personal question? Yes. Um, are you, do you take the pill? No. No. Okay. Um, cause I know that that can also help, um, sort of regulate just the hor- hormone fluctuations. But that's sweet, Eric, because you know I'm 53. I don't know what to say next. Uh, <laughs> you, made, you made my day. <laughs> but it could be menopause. Okay. Totally. Have you noticed an increase in, like, since you started going through menopause? Uh, possibly, because I am much more sensitive. Like, I became a big llorona. I wasn't a big crier, but now my mother's like, get yourself mm. together. Roxy, any uh, other thoughts from you? Yeah, going just going back a little bit to the um, the quick response piece. Um, I was wondering about um, creating awareness and space to choose, um, and if there was a way to to do that. You're super sensory. Um, you talked about all the places you feel um, you feel it in your body when you're about to go off. So I had a thought like, is there just some almost automatic thing you could do, like grab the hair on the back of your neck and like pull on it or, you know, just some physical something just just to create a little space for you to choose you know, just some, like something that could, you know, snap you. That was one thought. And then the other one, um, was 
maybe um, almost like a, a first step in the recovery community where you write out all of the things that you don't like about mm-hmm. the, um, acting out and all of the consequences or issues that it causes you and having that somewhere where whether you need it or not, you're kind of reviewing it. Even if it was just part of like your weekly plan where you looked over your first step and went, Oh yeah, that hasn't happened, but it's sort of in your head and reminding you that it's a thing. Yes. Yes. I could do that. Roxy, when you, uh, when you said to like, grab the back of your like neck and like pull your hair, it reminded me. So, um, earlier in the year I was going to, um, uh, this meditation group, uh, once or twice a week, um, totally fell off that wagon. Uh, just outing myself on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had had a good run though. And I remember I I learned about something that I was like, Oh, I want to learn a lot more about this. That's as far as it went so far, but it had to do with, um, the, uh, the vagus nerve. Cause there's a position in the, like that you can like hold in the back of your neck that does something to like almost like immediately calm you down. Um, so that might be something to, to explore. Will, you got some info on that? Uh, no, but it did remind me of, uh, it's like, uh, the mother cats picking up their kid. Like, you know, that's how like animals pick up their young is by the back of their neck like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have like a calming effect on most animals. I thought you were going to say that it reminded you of what you were in the chat, which is that Eric doesn't have any hair on the back of his head. I'm, I'm very nice in the chat. <laughs> Thanks, I'm going to try um, that. I'm going to try that. But I did have a, um, another idea that popped into my head because uh, you were talking about uh uh, Eric was talking about earlier the uh, resetting your stories and stuff, uh, like how you react. Um, I've read that it's like a good way to like work on that. It's just like so you write out your story, what happened, then you write another version of the story with you go, okay, we're going to go with a, how I would react differently this time so that it cues your brain up. This is how I react in that situation. So you'd be like, okay, I'm going to go into the store and ask him how he's doing. And then, you know, you do that with a number of your story, the stories that you have. And you're like, so this is you don't have to go and tell other people. This is just for you. Mm-hmm. And it just rewrites what your brain says you do in those situations. That makes a lot of sense to me. I can do that, too. Yeah. And I think that writing is it really is powerful. I uh, I wish I did it more because uh, when I do it, it really it's it's really powerful. No, actually writing the mastermind. I fell asleep like three times. Really? Yeah. Ooh, you get you, Emily. I think you need to do more writing. I think there's a lot of healing to 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 mm-hmm. get in I, there. I was like, oh yeah, and then I was like, oh sleepy, oh, and then I'd wake up and I was like, okay, let me start it again, and then I'd have to write something else, and then I'd be like, oh, I gotta go to bed, you know? Yeah, yeah. So Emily, based on everything you heard here, are there any commitments that you would like to make? Yes, I actually have been writing them down. So, uh, I'm going to, I can commit to, um, uh, what you were talking about in, in, uh, uh, you know, replaying those, those, uh, scenarios Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, having a different reaction, you know, while I'm playing it out, which ties into rewriting my story. So I can do that. I'm also going to really check out with my doctor if there's some kind of hormonal or other medical connection there. Cause I think that made a ton of sense to me. And um, yeah, I guess journaling more, which makes me have a little pit in my stomach, but I guess. Emily, me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Aggie too. We, we, we're, we're both on that uh, with you. Like it's so helpful when we do it. It is, though, because you have to go through the feelings instead of like, and I think I, I indulge in it. Mm. Hmm. Indulgence is an interesting word, I think, to describe your, 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 the experiences that you take on. I think that you indulge in a lot of like when you do something, you indulge in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Major. I mean, it, it really speaks to the whole idea that ADHD really is a disorder of self-regulation. Mm hmm. All right. So the goal is for you to not get arrested. That's, that's the outcome goal. The actions 
Uh, <laughs> Is that the stretch goal? <laughs> no, let's let that be like a minimum goal, please. <laughs> we, we need you around the community, Emily. Um, and, right. and, and, you, and your students need you. And uh, right. oh, man. Uh, no, thank right. you. I don't want them to copy my behavior. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing this uh, very, very openly, vulnerably, entertainingly. Um, and no, it's, you know, with, with all things with ADHD, it's like we know what we want to do, but we're not doing it. And it's like when it's happened so fast, it's it's hard. But keep working on stuff and, until you figure out something to to you know bring it down just a little bit. Yeah, I gotta bring it down because I'm a peace and love girl. I really am. Thank you. And I never even made the connection that it was emotional regulation until really quite recently. Mm. I mean, when you shared with me, Emily, that you used to, you know, travel the the country following the Grateful Dead, but that you've never actually seen them live. I was like, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough face. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you you love going where the action's at. You're yeah. you know experiencing the world. I'm telling you, jail's boring. Oh no, I've been there. It is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We will uh we'll be back with you uh pretty soon with another mastermind. Emily, thank you so much. Roxy, thank Aggie, you will, thank you. And we'll catch you next time. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. 
Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I will be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tiggers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.